Hello and welcome to Guru Please, the show about pushing the limits of life and stepping up to live with more meaning, more purpose, and more passion. I'm your host, Jessica Sun. I'd like to introduce Pierce J. Brooks. Pierce is an empowerment speaker, coach, and former Division I college basketball player. After losing scholarships and his father's tragic suicide, he hit a personal rock bottom before the age of 20. He has since found meaning and inspiration from trauma and now helps others do the same. Welcome to the show, Pierce. Jessica, thank you so much for having me. I love the title of your podcast, and uh, I hope your listeners know that I am no guru, and I'm looking for one myself. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's that's exactly yeah, a lot of people will say the kind of thing like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm not really a guru, but I guess the, yeah, the essence of it is, is to show that people kind of come to their own understanding of, of meaning and, and their lives from personal experiences. And you, you've gone through a lot like that, that started from when you were a child, you were told by pretty much everything and everyone that you were supposed to be in the NBA and that that would be your path. And that's not where you ended up. And I want to talk about kind of what happened along the way and when did you really decide that this wasn't for you? Sure. Yeah. It, it, like you said, it had been since I was very young. So I picked up a basketball at 12 years old. And from there, those expectations kind of fell upon me from everybody around me. And so I bought into them for a long time. Mm. And it, it was fine in the beginning because in the beginning I played well and it seemed to confirm what everybody was saying. But there was a point where I started not to play well at all. And then I started to you know, when your identity is locked in with expectations and you're not meeting them, it starts to become very difficult. And then that's what was happening to me. I was really battling depression, feeling like I was letting everyone down. And, uh, but I still had to continue playing and it just made it a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So, so it was a long process. I played for over 10 years and, um, you know, it really took a while for me to get out of that and find the peace and moving along to something else. Mm. Now, did you enjoy playing in the beginning or was it always something that other people wanted you to do? I did enjoy playing in the beginning. I started, you know, right around fifth grade and I was taller than everybody and I was pretty dominant on the court. And so I, I you know, when anytime you're good at something, you're going to have confidence in it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what happened for the first few years where I, I was very good and, I was getting a lot of notoriety and really feeling good about myself. But then it really took a turn right around high school. And then with more expectations came more pressure. You know, a lot of it had to do with just certain nuances within the the way I learned the sport and not being able to deliver the way, you know, that was expected and really getting down on myself. It, it was a really rough, rough time. And it, extended to, you know, my family, it really created a rift between my father and I, and we, you know, we stopped kind of speaking to each other for a while and that just made, made it worse. And so basketball for years um, just became, was a paralyzing kind of entity over me, but that I Mm -hmm. still felt like I had to, I had to do to get my education or I had to be what everybody else wanted me to be. And it took me a while to really kind of step into my own decision. Mm. Now, you mentioned in your TEDx talk that when you were having a bad game, sometimes your your dad would just leave, leave the court, leave the um, 
the area. I mean, it's very clear that, you know, along with that, you would start kind of criticizing yourself and, and feeling bad, feeling inadequate. And a lot of us will do that to ourselves, whether it's in a sport or just in other endeavors in our lives. How did you address that and really, you know, stop doing that and start kind of treating yourself better in your self-talk? Yeah, it, it, it took time. I mean, that it started started my freshman year of high school where my dad would, would start to do that. And my, my dad was my hero. You know, I looked up to mm. him so much and I, I craved his approval. And um, it, it was, you know, I, I learned much later that it was more a reflection on him than me. But that, that was how he parented. He, it wasn't out of, uh, it, it wasn't that he didn't love me. He was trying to teach me a lesson. And I had always been a sensitive kid and I, I couldn't, that, that wasn't the way that I was really going to become a better player by seeing my father walk out. Mm-hmm. It, it made it, it made it worse for me. I, I, I then started to, like I said, in the speech, I then just focused on the stands and that's all I cared about. I just cared about who was watching me and if I was letting other people down and, and I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't look at the game anymore. And that's when it really wasn't fun. And that when, when it, when the game was fun, I was playing the game and I was lost in the competition that ended in high school because then I was like trying to manage the game and the stands. And if I was, you know, if people were happy with me and if I was playing, okay. And, um, it became just too much to think about and I couldn't be successful. So in, in kind of evaluating my basketball career, looking back, I had to come to terms with, I didn't do what I needed to do. I didn't, you know, my father walking out or how people look at me, I can't control that. I can control being better on the court. And I didn't see that back then. And so now when I do something, you know, my, in my career now, I always t- take kind of that internal look, that inventory on myself to see, you know, what, mm-hmm. what is it that I can control in that situation? And that, that's how, that's what's helped me kind of, um, you know, be, be more at peace with my decisions in my life. Mm, yeah, I see. How did you cultivate this understanding and this wisdom? I, I've just seeking something. Um, I think, you know, part of it was I was blessed to have a family that would tell me that I was, uh, that I was capable and that I was, a, that I was here for a reason. And I had faith that everything does happen for a reason. That was just kind of a cornerstone belief that I've been taught since being a kid. And um, because I held on to that, I always saw it like, you know, why, why is this happening? So I, I, in the beginning, I had a victim mentality, like it, this is everybody else's fault. And this is, you know, why do bad things happen to me? But then I kind of just realized that that wasn't getting me anywhere. And then I needed to change the relationship with uh, with my life. And so I remember the first thing I came across was the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. And the first mm-hmm. habit is take responsibility of your life. Mm-hmm. And it just said, you know, everything that's happened to you, you remove the blame resentment and you, you take responsibility because that's how you grab the power from that situation. So that was the first kind of thought that was implanted in my mind. So then I just started to look for more things like that coming across speeches and um, YouTube videos and things like that to find hope. 
And it took time, but, you know, and it and took work, but that's how I began to kind of change the relationship with what happened. Mm, I see. So you kind of got the first spark of that idea of personal responsibility from the book and then from there kind of infused your mind with, you know, whether it was videos or blogs or other content to stoke that, that flame. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. What happened when your father died and, you know, what was going on for you at that time and how have you kind of grieved that loss? Yeah. When, when my father passed, I had just finished my freshman year of college. I was at the university of San Francisco where you are now. And, um, I, I, I had gotten a call that week that I had just lost a scholarship from that school. A new coach had come in and wanted to restart his own program. And he called me about two weeks before school started to let me know that um, my scholarship wouldn't be extended to my sophomore year. And I think that, you know, that call happened right after my father passed away. It was just a really, you know, rough, rough time for me, obviously, and tough, rough time for my family. All I could think about was, even though this, this basketball situation happened, and I didn't know where I was going to school. The most important thing was, you know, how I grieved with my father. And I remember the first thing that I thought was, um, because I'm a spiritual person, I, I just cared about his soul and if he was okay and if he was at peace. And um, I think that gratitude and, and, and hopefulness and faith is what helped me get through it. I was more kind of tapping into a frequency of, you know, thank, I was thankful for my experience with my father. I was thankful mm -hmm. for the good moments, the memories. And, and that's, that's really how I coped. It's kind of remembering the, the good times and being grateful for that. Right. Right. I, I, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that's something that I speak on a, a lot right now, which is um, finding meaning and madness. And going back to what I said about everything happens for a reason I think we are in charge of that reason. You know, it's up to the individual to find what, what the reason is. And so mm -hmm. many people, I think, just stay in, you know, obviously that when, when you lose something or someone, there is, uh, there's pain and loss. And that, that, that pain oftentimes comes from an expectation, you know, the expectation that my father will be here a long time or that, you know, we would be able to say, I love you to each other one more time. Or things like that um, but if and, and people stick there in that pain and loss and expectation and that's what grows resentment and bitterness but if you're grateful and you can tap into a different kind of energy of gratitude and I could say in my case I, I believe in God and I say God thank you for my father being my father and thank you for the good moments we had and thank you for all the memories. And, you know, a lot of people don't have, I had 19 years with my father. Many people never meet their father. I'm grateful for that time. And then it helps to kind of balance out that loss and pain to a point of um, acceptance. And, and so that's, that's how I kind of, you know, d dealt with it in my mind. Mm. Well, at the same time, you weren't sure you know, about your school situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are so many things happening for you. 
what did it feel like at that moment? And, you know, what were your priorities in that moment? Um, I, it really felt like I, I, I had, um, I was still going through this, ba- this, all this basketball stuff, right. And figuring out what I wanted to do in my life. And when I got the news of my father's passing, I, I did feel numb for a moment. I felt like, you know, all this stuff that's mattered to me doesn't really matter. Basketball is, mm. is meaningless at this point. Mm. There are, there's, there's bigger things than basketball, right? Uh, and and it, it was kind of a perspective shift. Like, uh, you know, when you get a reality check and the thing you've been worrying about, you know, something worse happens in your mind and the thing mm. you've been worrying about doesn't, doesn't matter as much anymore. So that, that's what it felt like for a little bit. Yeah. And when you say finding meaning in madness... What does that mean? And, you know, I think it sounds great and it sounds like we can take this madness and really use it. But in the moment, I think it's there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of pain. There's just, you know, missed expectations, these kinds of things. And it's it can be very hard to let that go. Right. Yeah. How do we find that meaning? I think it's really about channeling channeling the energy and changing the relationship with what is see there's a book about this called loving what is and that's a lot of the the problem is when something happens bad to us or that we see as bad we um, we have resentment towards it and a bitterness and we can't accept the way that things are and then we get into either avoiding it or not dealing with it like for example in 2020 Right around March, we started seeing, because it was a horrible year, obviously, for everybody with quarantining and so many people you know, losing jobs and, and, and loved ones and things of that sort. You started to see on social media right around April and March that, you know, I'm just ready for this year to be over. They want to kind of a fast forward button to, to, to kind of delete what, what's going on and have a restart in 2021. And this avoidance, I think you don't, it's a missed opportunity, really. Hmm to find the meaning. What is, what is the lesson to be learned? Um, so I always think that there is something to be learned from every, from all of our experiences, good and bad, that we're not just supposed to have a life of, of good. You know, you need that balance, but what's the lesson from both the good and the bad? What is the meaning? What is the, everything happens for a reason. What is that reason? You know, that, that's what, just kind of a, a code that I subscribe to, to find out. Uh, otherwise, I think the alternative for me is a lack of, of, of faith. If I just look at every all the bad stuff and just say it happened by chance or it just, just happened, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be able to really live with that. I have to think that these things that are going on in our lives, they, they've happened for a reason. We need to find out what that meaning is. And usually it chant, by channeling it, it comes into how did this, instead of why did this happen to me, how did this happen for me, right? And it creates a purpose behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, so p- part of the meaning, you know, I lost my father to, to suicide, right? Part of the meaningfulness that's emerged out of a tragic loss through, you know, the gratitude that I've had and, and, and kind of sitting with it and figuring out how I feel, I can now have more meaningful conversations with other people who've lost someone in the same way. You know, I'm, mm. I, I'm not alone. And through connecting with others, I'm, others aren't alone either. 
and I can mm -hmm. share life with each other. So there, there's good that has emerged from the bad that's happened. And so that's yeah. really what I mean. So you've kind of flipped that question of why did this happen to how is it happening for me? And do you meditate on this? I mean, I'm sure it takes time to kind of arrive in this place that you've kind of arrived at, which is that there are things within the experience that you can appreciate. Yes. Do you have like a certain practice or prayer or things like that? I, I do. Um, I've, I've tried a little bit of everything on this. I've tried, uh, you know, I've tried meditating and I still meditate. I, I do a lot of writing this out and, mm. and talking it out has helped me a lot. Just some form of expressing, right? Mm. Um, you know, th therapy has also helped me a lot. Um, and I've gone to a lot of therapy since being in my 30s. You know, it's funny that a lot of people have the saying th uh, 30 and thriving, but I say 30 and therapy. It's, it's everybody, <laughs> all of my friends, since they've turned 30, they're, we're all doing it together and, and it's healing for us. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just find that some form of expression, whether it be, which I, you know, really go to talking it out or writing it out is helpful as opposed to bottling it in that that's been my way of really coming to some of these lessons that I've learned is to express myself on it. Mm. When you say you talk it out with people, who are you talking with? Fortunately, I have, I'm, I'm grateful to have a, a really solid support system in my family and also really close friends that I can be vulnerable with and also a, a terrific therapist that I can share life with. And, and I think this, this support system and having, having emotional security with, with people that you trust and love. That's been, mm -hmm. that's been critical for me. Mm -hmm. And, and I've, I've become stronger in the, in, in seeing the significance of that over the last several years where for a long time, I bottled a lot of these emotions in particularly, especially during, um, you know, during those basketball playing days, no one mm -hmm. knew what I was going through. Oh. And I, I kept it all inside. No one knew. Every, everyone thought, so uh, a lot of people who, who knew me from that time have, have hit me up since my TEDx talk and said, you know, they were just shocked. They, they thought wow. I loved playing basketball and they didn't, uh, they didn't know I was going through any of that. And that's because mm. I was, you know, hiding behind a mask, yeah. playing a part. And so now I'm in this period in my life where I find more healing and I'm healthier by expressing myself through my speaking, through helping others, through writing. Um, mm -hmm. you know, the, these, this conversation with you is helpful to me, you know, it, mm. it, it, heal, it helps me. And so I hope that, you know, we're with the, with the guru, please name, I think we're all kind of each other's guru to get, yeah. this, to get through life. You know, it's it, not be isolated. Yeah. And you said something interesting there, which was you were playing a part, you're wearing a mask. And I think sometimes, especially you know, teens and 20s, we find ourselves kind of acting and almost in some kind of theater that was all planned out without our knowing even. And then to take that mask off or to kind of step out of the character's role, like how do we know who we actually are? How do we define what we want if we're so used to thinking that somebody else's desires are our own? 
Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think it, it, obviously it takes time and it takes time in just being with, with yourself. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is inventory exercises and asking a lot of questions mm-hmm. and, and remaining curious about life and about yourself. I think in your, it's almost like there's this, uh, as you evolve, you know, when you're a kid, when you're a kid, you don't know much at all, right? You're learning everything from, from the, everything, everybody around you. Then you hit the teens and you start, you know, that's when you start to have attitude. Generally, you start to have attitude with your parents. You start to be a know-it-all. You think you know everything. Right around 30, you get to the point where it's like, you know, I, I don't know a damn thing. <laughs> I don't know anything. You know, that's, 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 that's the good place to be. Because that's that constant, you know, I'm still learning. I don't, I don't have it all figured out. And it's great to admit that. Oh, it feels good to admit that, you know? And so when you don't have it all figured out, you're, you're on this. um, I mean, it's really a lifelong journey as my therapist would say, but you're, you're really on a journey of unraveling and peeling back layers. And so it, it, it hurts to do the work, but gosh, is it, uh, it's worth doing. Mm. So, uh, you know, I think there's different ways that people can do that. For me, it's, it's writing, it's speaking, it's, it's talking with people. You know, for others, it may be painting or, you know, making some music or some type of creative outlet. I think we owe it to ourselves to find out what that is and then do it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you're saying it's kind of this process by which we discover ourselves and our interests and just what helps us heal and it's it's different for every person right yeah there's no one size fits all but i i do think what what the simplest way to put it is some some sort of time with self right mm-hmm. to meditate to write to to just be with yourself and then also express in, in whatever mm-hmm. way that's that's healthy for you Mm-hmm. I see. How have you kind of found meaning during this time, during COVID? Because if you're a speaker, things are canceled, things are postponed. What is the meaning in, in this madness? Mm-hmm. So, you know, first going back to the expectations, pain and loss, you know, I had, I'm a planner and I went into 2020, like everybody else with their vision board saying, this is my year mm-hmm. and I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. And I, at that time, uh, going into the new year, I was um, the head of a marketing department for, for, a, for a company. And I was still speaking, but I didn't, I, I just kind of looked at speaking as being a side thing, even though I love it more than anything. Mm-hmm. I even said in my TEDx talk, which if I could maybe take back one line, I, you know, kind of the, the arrival moment was me saying, now I am the director of field marketing for one of the largest brands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of had this expectation that I was going to straddle both and then mm-hmm. got laid off in March, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, there's momentum happening with my speaking, which is a good thing, but I got laid off. And so the expectations of, you know, working, you know, being a marketing director and staying that or whatever, um, mm-hmm. just went out the window overnight. If I just stayed in that place of the expectations and, and the loss and stayed there, I would have been bitter. You know, this year, this wasn't supposed to happen. You mm. know, I, I get bitter with Corona and everything, everybody, you know, I get mad at the company for laying me off and all those things. But I 
went to gratitude. I said, thank you. I'm thankful that I had, you know, that I had a great job that I was able to save a, a good amount of money for myself. I'm thankful that this TEDx was out and that I can ride this momentum of, of getting more, you know, work in something that I love. Mm-hmm. And so then I, that brought me to acceptance, right? Then the next thing for me was the confidence in myself and having faith that things will work out. Again, mm-hmm. that thing will happen for a reason. That brought the meaning to my life in saying that, you know what, this was a good thing for me because if everything just continued as I expected, I wouldn't be two feet into what I'm doing now, which is what I love, which is, mm. which is coaching. And so changing the relationship with COVID and quarantine, I looked at how this was maybe the best thing for me to happen. Mm. I mean, sometimes when we're in that kind of difficult place in our lives where things haven't gone the way that maybe we thought they would or that we were working toward, sometimes it it's just you don't want to let it go because what if that's like giving up on it, you know? Where's that balance there? And also you mentioned having that confidence and faith that things are going to work out. How do you develop those like confidence and faith yeah i think you know first of all i for me personally developing the confidence and faith i was fortunate to have several people in my family who believed in me and Mm -hmm. there for me for me during the rough moments and i'm grateful for that because a lot of people don't have that so so that that part helped me move along and, and, and build a build a confidence was having that kind of emotional security support system. But that said, I still experienced deep depression. You know, yeah. I, I in my own mind, I had thoughts of like, you know, am I am I capable? Am I good enough? If if everybody said I was supposed to be something and I didn't live up to it, am I worthless? You know, I had mm. thoughts for years and years and years. Yeah, but thankful for um, a seed that was implanted by my family and, and, and coming across materials that said you basically you're in control of your own life and you can determine where you want to go and starting to believe that and, and water that seed that helped get out of it. Hmm. So, so that I, now I feel that, you know, I, I, I feel that bad things are going to happen because that's life. Good and bad things are going to happen, but I have a confidence to respond to them. Hmm. And and so it, it, it took time, but it definitely took uh, took work. I see. And what about the kind of decision point where we need to kind of let go of something in order to not be bitter and resentful? I, I strongly believe that when you tap into think of it like a radio, you know, I've talked a little bit about frequency mm-hmm. that if you listen to the radio and you hear that static, right? Obviously you're not in tune with any station that's mm-hmm. static, that, that noise. And, and that, that's the, I, I, I look at that as the expectations, pain and loss. And if you just stay there, it's not going to be good for you. You're going to grow bitter and, re- and resentment. So many, that, that doesn't mean, it's a normal part of the process to be in that moment for a little bit. But at some point, I strongly believe 
that you have to be grateful for what happened in some way. Mm. So no, no matter what the situation was, you have to look back and, and be grateful for it. So for example, if you're in a relationship and you know, that relationship ends and you're upset by it because you had plans to be married and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason it ends, you have to be grateful that, you know what, I'm glad I'm not with that person now because I was losing myself. There's something to always look at. Mm. Right. And so when you find the right lesson from it and the, and the good reason why that happened, that's when you can change the relationship with it. So, mm. so my, my, my simple way to say it is just find the thing that you can be grateful for that that happened. Mm. Is it's always there. It just takes time to find it. I see. I see. We can be grateful and then we can kind of find the lesson in there. But, you know, sometimes that sadness is still there or that those feelings of loss and, you know, the grief will just come back. What do you do in those moments where it resurfaces? Because mm -hmm. it's not like it just goes away. Sure. Yeah. No, gratitude doesn't mean absent of pain. It mm. just finding it's just seeing a fuller picture. Mm. That, that's, that's all it is. None of none of this is absent of pain. I miss my dad. Mm -hmm. I, I I miss my dad every day. Mm -hmm. I I'm sad. I'm still sad when it comes up where I uh, you know I'm, I'm upset we didn't have more time together. You know I'm, I'm not gratitude is not being happy. Mm. You know so it, that's that's normal. There's uh you know, there's, um, there's a blues to it. Um, right. so like, just like blues, what blues singers do and what musicians do is they play. And so to pick yourself up and get through it, that's the expression part. So for mm -hmm. me, it's speaking, it's writing, it's talking it out. So when that moment comes, try to go to healthy ways of expression is what I would say. Uh, you know, if you, if you look at, creative and talented people that's what they're doing you know I'm a, I'm a huge fan of i'm a huge fan of uh of prince he's my favorite artist ever mm -hmm. and he was probably the most prolific musician in terms of just out you know putting out albums and things of that sort he grew up in an abusive home and so he played all the time to get through it you know jim carrey who's a genius was you know, had a hard childhood. And so he escaped or channeled it through playing characters and comedy. I, I would, I would say gratitude to help you get through it and then channeling the energy by, by expressing who you are. Mm, I see. But it's definitely not absent of pain. Right. No, you make a good point. It's not like gratitude makes the pain go away or makes your problems go away. The reality like is still there. It's just now we can see kind of all the nuances to what has happened and not to just label an experience as like bad or negative, but really there's so much more within the experience that you can kind of tease out. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, which I thought was very funny about the thirties and therapy where yeah. you, um, you know, now you recognize, okay, I don't have everything figured out. But, you know, when, as we grow up, oftentimes we, you know, we were given kind of a life plan. And it's like, okay, this is what you're going to do. This is how it's going to go. Yeah. Um, here you go. 
Mm. Uh, now, right now, do you have that kind of plan or what's your relationship with the idea of success? Yeah, that's such a great question. I, I'm naturally a planner. And so when when I'm subscribed to the deal, like uh, to the idea that I'm in control of my life, I kind of I've taken that a bit overboard because mm-hmm. part of it is because of my upbringing and everybody telling me I was supposed to do something. So now I'm like, you know what, I'm in control of this. So I do ha- have a bit of a, you know, I do take that, you know, pretty seriously. But I still have a, I think in my mind, a pretty good balance with pivoting. So I understand that not everything is going to go the way that I plan or the way I want. So if something happens that that shifts my plan, I'm, I can adapt to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, you know, not, and not, but not everyone's like that. Not everyone is a planner. I work with a lot of people. I have a lot of you know, a couple of people on my team who aren't really that way. They're a little bit more spontaneous and there's, there's an advantage to that too. Mm. You know, and they just, they handle things, um, you know, one thing at a time. And I tend to think about, you know, what is, what does things look like five years from now? <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> yeah. But, right. but when COVID comes up, you know, it really, it really takes it for a really shifts what, what you were thinking. So. Right. Yeah. Well, now that you coach and you speak, what is your vision and kind of what's the driving force behind that, what you do? Oh, Jessica, you want the secrets. I know, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, to be, to be real with you, they say, you know, other than Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. they say we have two driving needs uh, that when we're, when we're growing up and that's the need for um, security or significance. And that if you don't get one of those at home or growing up, then you're going to seek that as almost like a life's purpose. And so Mm. for me, it was um, it's significance and impact. And I was, uh, you know, kind of through my experiences playing basketball, I was discarded by a lot of people. And that was hurtful for me, you know, being, being cut off by a lot of, a lot of people growing up. And Mm -hmm. so um, part of that driving force is to, to be significant, to make a mark and to be helpful and of service to others. Mm -hmm. So I think that is part of a, a a deep need in, in me to uh, a, a deep motivator for me. What do you mean by discarded by others? Be, because you know this 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 MBA Pierce was going to the MBA um, expectation was put on me when I started to really show that I was nowhere near going to the MBA, um, people stopped talking to me. Oh wow! From teachers to uh, to coaches to I mean even even some friends. It's just you know I, I was of no use to. Huh. To, to people because I, you know, was pierced the NBA player <laughs> and that didn't happen. So mm. yeah, going back to gratitude, I'm, I'm grateful for the way that things have turned out. I am very, uh, I'm blessed to have seen a lot and I'm grateful for the experiences that I had playing basketball and the, uh, what many may call the, the failure because mm. I've channeled that in looking at how I prepare or go about my life and what I actually want to do. And so how I look at those people, they weren't meant, they weren't meant to be in my life long term. Mm. 
you know, it, it gave me a, it taught me a lesson about, about people too, you know, that yeah, yeah. maybe that, that some may just um, look at you for what you can do for them. Or, you know, I don't, I, I don't claim to know everybody's intentions. You know, I, some, I think maybe some just wanted to know an NBA player and they were hoping that they could say, you know, because that would be a thing that would come up. Oh, you know, don't forget about me kind of thing, you know, when you mm-hmm. go to the NBA. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I just, I, I, w- I no longer had a certain place in their mind for, for them to uh, care, I guess. I see. Yeah. 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 And that is, that's a tough place to be because growing up to be told that, oh, you're going to go to the NBA. That's, that's almost maybe a compliment. It's like, oh, you think I'm capable of great things. But then there's that kind of dark side to it as well, where if you're constantly striving to just meet this bar that that is just set so high it can be very painful so exactly and you make a great point because that also helped me in my confidence was that for years people like you said said i could accomplish something great Mm. and so i i held on to that part you know yeah yeah and and, um that that helped that helped me you know and and Mm. a faith that things would work out i had a belief that you know i I am great and I'm great whether I'm in the NBA or not. Mm. Mm. No, I like that. Cause it's like you, you're picking out the things that work for you, which yes. is that, yeah, yeah. that you know, you're capable and that you can do amazing things. And then you're kind of um, letting go of the stuff that doesn't help you anymore. Exactly. Yep. It's like, uh, like trying on clothes, you know, this one fits, this works on me, this one doesn't. Yeah. I'm like, mm. Yeah, and then maybe a few years down the road, it's like, oh, maybe I'm done with this piece and mm-hmm. get a new piece. Yeah, exactly. Or you, or you take something out that was, you know, in the far corners of your closet. You're like, oh wait, I can this one forgot about, and yeah, no, this one's a good one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and 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 so that again, it's going back to to meaning. If I didn't, if I didn't evaluate all of these things in my life and my basketball experience. I mean, this was 10 years of my life. If I just let it go and just didn't look at it anymore, I grabbed nothing from that experience. It was just pointless. It just happened mm. nothing to, you know, yeah. but yeah. I, but I, I studied it. I looked at it from several different angles. Why didn't I play well? Why, you know, why did I, um, why did I listen to people for so long? Why did I, you know, this, why this, I just kept on asking those questions. Mm, yeah. And yeah. I learned so much in asking and, and asking and answering those questions. Did you ever have this uh, sense of perfectionism where it's like you only notice what you do wrong, but not what you do. Right. <sighs> That's a great question. Um, I, I did, yeah, I did have that for a while, but I think I, I never called it really perfectionism because, you know, part of the responsibility that I had to take going back to basketball was that the main reason I did not do well or didn't do the best that I could do is because of me, because I did not put in the work. Mm. I did not spend the time on the court that I needed to, to be successful. 
Okay. And so many people, um, and I, I, I really, I really think it's important to to see. You know, Napoleon Hill talks about this. Talks about accurate thinking, learning the right lessons, mm-hmm. and that 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 comes le- learning the right lessons comes down to choice, and how you choose to look at what happened. So it, I easily could have looked at it and blamed basketball and blamed the coaches and blamed everybody and say, it's everybody else's fault. What happened to me? Yeah. Or I can look at it and say, you know what? I Pierce, you didn't get through it. You didn't wake up earlier to get more shots up. You didn't spend more time with the game to be better. You didn't do the right things necessary to have peace with the game. I tried to do everything else. Like, uh, I mean, <laughs> everything you could think of. I tried, um, I tried hypnotism. I tried, um, you know, meditating. I tried praying. I used to, I used to, before games, I used to go underneath the bleachers and pray the Hail Mary um, mm. that I would have a good game. And, I, and it's not that those things were bad, but that's all I did. So that was the wrong thing to do. The right thing to do would have been to spend more time dribbling a basketball and, 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 and having more confidence in my game. I had zero confidence in my game and I wanted to be saved from something outside. Mm. I wanted God to come down and place those baskets in the hoop. And that's, that's not how it works. Well, how have you kind of forgiven yourself for that? Um, that's a great question. I, I, I really look at this next phase of my life as a kind of second chance. Um, and I don't know if that's the right way to look at it, but that's how I do. I look at this, you know, I have an opportunity to, in, in doing what I love, to do it the right way. So what's the right way? To, if I'm speaking, I need to prepare. A lot of, a lot of it's about preparation. I did not prepare to be on the basketball court, which part of it led to my failure. So mm-hmm. in my speaking, and if I'm giving a speech or if I'm doing a coaching session, I can't, you know, of course, there's, there's the faith component and I can pray and meditate and, and do that part. But I also have to do the actual work in a speech. I need to write it. I need to study it. I need to do the inventory and do the best that I can. I need to do my part, control what yeah. I can control, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it, so much of it was the expectation and faith and everything out of my control and not doing my part. There's mm-hmm. a balance here. You have to, you have to do your part too. Mm, yeah, that's a big lesson because just having the faith, like it's, it's no good on its own. I mean, you need both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but then to have action without faith, that also doesn't really work. So, yeah, it really is the right. two it's together. To those together, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a huge lesson. And you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, that is something I think we can all learn a bit more of, you know, in, in what are different aspects of our lives. Yeah, and, and, and having a peace with what is out of your control. I, the, the faith and confidence part is, is critical because otherwise I think you'll just be in 
and fear. Like, for example, I mean, people, when, when people are flying, they don't have a fear of, they don't really have a fear of flying. They have a fear of something going wrong, mm. fear of crashing or, or not getting to their destination. So you have to have faith or confidence that you will land. Yeah. But you also have to show up, you know, that's the part you can control. You show up and then the rest is you have to have the faith in what you, what's out of your control. So yeah, like, like they, they go together. Mm, yeah I see because otherwise the fear will just overtake you and then you won't show up and then you'll be proven right and exactly. in, in your fear yeah right right proven right in your own mind yeah yeah well well thank you so much Pierce for you know sharing your insight and what you've learned and lessons you've taken over these years because you know what you've gone through it was a difficult experience, um, even though on the surface, people were very much kind of, you know, seeing the best in you and, you know, wanting the best in you. That can be a traumatic kind of experience because they're somebody else's expectations and not your own. And on top of that, you know, it's somebody else's story. And, and, and then for you to kind of discover that that wasn't really your path or, you know, your path would kind of take a different turn. It's not an easy thing to, you know, come to grips with that. And then on top of that, be grateful that these things happened and find meaning in that. So thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I, I, I you know, I think of it just one last thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think of it like, like being in a car. So the, so the first the first 10 years of my life or however long playing basketball, I was in the passenger seat mm. or, you know, actually, I don't want to even say I was in the passenger seat. I was actually in the driver's seat with, um, mm. by, but following the passenger's directions on where to go. But then I decided to, you know, tell them to get out <laughs> or to be <laughs> quiet and I'm going to drive on my own and I'm going to put in my own GPS. Mm when you're on a long road of wherever you're trying to get to, there's going to be, you know, bad weather along the way. The further you drive, there's going to be hail and snow and, and whatever. And you have to you do your part, which is to drive and take care of what you can control. And then also have faith in the car and, you know, the, the circumstance that you can get through it. Because if you don't have the faith, you're going to pull over and not drive. Mm. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It, actually, I just remembered something you said in your TEDx, which was you figured out uh, when you were playing basketball, you figured out a way to not miss, which was to not even try to shoot. Exactly. Um, <laughs> which is kind of like pulling over uh, in, you know, as you're driving your car. It's like, oh, well, if I don't want to fail at, you know, and I not arrive at the destination, well, I just might as well not drive. Yes, that that is the answer, but then right. <laughs> it, no, it's not because exactly. it, it creates you know all sorts of other you know, issues that are a lot bigger. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's always about how we look at it and how we respond. What lessons we take. Yeah, exactly, and and yeah, having that accurate lesson. Right. Yeah. Oh, and then you mentioned before the show that you have an upcoming TEDx. That's right. You are the yes. first to hear, and I just heard this yesterday. I was selected to give another TEDx 
talk in March. And uh, can you guess the topic? Um, I mean, finding meaning in madness. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So, and where is that? And when is it? And... That'll be in Oxnard on March 20th. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So awesome. we'll have outside social distance event. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm really thrilled that you have this opportunity. And like, I think that your first one was really, really great in terms of, you know, showing your journey and like revealing the truth. And it wasn't like, oh, now my life is so great and everything's great now. It's like, no, you know, the, the hard work is to kind of learn these lessons and uh, to live them. So absolutely yeah. and for, for your listeners please check out my first tedx playing the game of social pressure and uh you know i'm jessica i'm looking forward to coming back in a couple months after my next one is released and talking about that one some more yeah yeah let's do that thank you so much thank you